All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, please. Please open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And then I want your other hand to go to Matthew 27. Matthew 27. Why do we do the Lord's Supper? It's because Jesus Christ wants us to remember his suffering, his agony, what he went through so that you and I can have salvation in him. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and these are the instructions that Jesus gave that Paul wants to remind us as he wrote to the church of Corinth. When we read verse 23, For I have received of the Lord that which I also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. <clears throat> and when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is a New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Jesus says, Observe the Lord's Supper. That way you can remember what I went through. Remember the pain and the suffering that I did for you. However, these individuals do not remember the Lord. These particular individuals that we're going to read disremembered him. Look at chapter 27. Chapter 27, verse 45. Chapter 27, verse 45 of Matthew. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? During those three hours, something happened. Jesus Christ, if you know the whole story, he was able to maintain his composure, his silence. He was able to endure the bitterness, the agony, and the death of the cross. But all of a sudden... From the sixth to the ninth hour, he snapped. During that timeline, he just couldn't take it anymore. Over there, he felt as if no one was there to support him. That he has been forgotten. And the being that would forget him is actually not his close loved ones, but actually the creator of the universe. Being one that is forsaken by God, that's the worst thing. If you're forsaken by your family or by the world, it's something that we can endure, but by your Savior, by your God who promised who will never leave you nor forsake you, that's got to be something so detrimental to anybody. Jesus Christ was forsaken by God, not just by someone he loved or someone who cared for him or by people, but by God himself. He was forget, he was forsaken. He was forgotten. They will not remember him. He felt he was not remembered. But I wonder how often we forget Christ. How often do we remember him? Jesus Christ did not want us to forget about what he went through, what he did for us. I wonder if Jesus Christ is giving the same cry, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forgotten me? Within the three hours, Jesus Christ was forgotten by God the Father himself at the cross of Calvary. But for us, it's hour after hour after hour after hour after hour. We forget Jesus Christ. We don't remember what he did for us, what he went through, how much he loved us, that he would sacrifice everything for our sakes. I would like us to remember his suffering. The title of my message is This Do in Remembrance of Me. Will you pray with me? Now, Father, will you fill within me the power of your Holy Spirit and the cleansing of your blood? Make today's preaching. Bless your people and magnify you. Help us to truly remember what you went through. Convict and touch our hearts in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to first cover the first point, which people will remember Christ. Which people will remember Christ? 
Well, let's look at verse 47 through 49. The scoffers. The scoffers. Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Now notice right here that these are people who scoffed at Jesus' cry on the cross. Jesus said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And these scoffers, instead of remembering, appreciating Christ's suffering, that he's doing this for them, for their very own sakes, that he loved them that much, they scoffed him. Notice that they misheard what Jesus said. They thought that Jesus was calling for Elijah to help, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus was calling out to God. He said, notice right there in that verse, in Hebrew, verse 46, Eli, Eli. That sounds pretty close to Elijah, right? Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. They misheard that as Elijah. How can they mishear that? That's their Hebrew tongue. They ought to know that Jesus Christ is calling out to God the Father. Why did you forsake me? But they misheard it as Elijah. Because the wording is kind of close. You know, people who scoff at what Jesus Christ did for them, they usually mishear what he says. They thought they heard him because it was pretty close. He said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. So they're pretty sure when he said Eli, that's pretty close to Elijah. So I know that Jesus Christ is calling for Elijah to save him. There are scoffers like that amongst us today, but they totally misheard what Jesus cried out. He actually said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? How often has Jesus Christ cried out in your heart? Why did you forsake me? Why did you forsake me? But you, O scoffer, misheard that. And you took that as, why are you giving me so much pressure, God? To remember what you went through. I know you bled, you died for me. And so I'm supposed to serve you better because of that. I know I'm supposed to endure suffering because of that. I know that I'm supposed to appreciate what you did for me rather than moping and groaning about this bitterness, about this depression. I know I got to get out of it and I got to appreciate what you did for me. You endured worse. You suffered more than I could ever suffer. I already know all that, God. Get off my back. Stop pressuring me. Leave me alone. Let me do what I want. And you, old scoffer, scoffed him. You misheard what he said. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus never said, hey, fool, remember my suffering, so you better work harder. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus Christ, he just said, why have you forsaken me? All he cares about is his loving relationship with you. He's not thinking about pressuring you to serve him. But how often, oh, you scoffer, misheard God's cry as something else. How often, oh, scoffer, have you misheard God's cry when he said, why have you forsaken me? And you go, God, I know that I'm supposed to overcome this trial. I know I'm supposed to have faith in you. And you suffered more than I could ever suffer. So I should have faith in your care because this suffering is, this trial is less than what you went through. So I should have faith. But God, it's, when you're saying that, it scares me. Why can't, why have you forsaken me? Jesus cried out. Think about reading your Bible, praying, working for me. I suffered so much. I worked harder than what you could ever do. Why don't you read your Bible? Why don't you pray? Why don't you go to church? Why don't you get involved in the work for me? But you mishear that cry and you say, God, you're scaring me. God, I don't want to do that work for you. I am afraid what I'm going to go through. So please don't cry out to me. You're scaring me. And then you shun out that voice. You shun out that cry. How many times have Jesus Christ cried out, why have you forsaken me? 
and reminded you of his suffering, what he endured for you, but you just shunned it out because you were scared. You don't want to think about it because you just want to do what you want to do. You feel more comfortable there. It's always more comforting in your own zone you're used to rather than in unfamiliar zone where God wants you to do something for him, where God wants you to suffer something for him because he suffered worse than you. How often have we forsaken Jesus Christ and we misheard his cry? We misheard it as something offensive. Sometimes when Jesus Christ cries out to you, why have you forsaken me? I suffered more than you ever suffered. And maybe you're trying to endure through a temptation, trying to conquer it. Maybe you're trying to do some kind of work for the Lord in church or in your daily relationship. Maybe you're going through a trial and you're going through it. And when Jesus Christ reminds you of his suffering, say, I suffered worse than what you ever suffered. Why have you forsaken me? In our minds, we take offense. We go, God, you're horrible, you're mean. I know you bled and you died for me, but you don't understand my pain. You don't understand what I'm going through. And if you're a loving God, you would do this for me. How often has the world taken offense at the preaching of the cross of Christ? And they mocked you for it. They didn't want to hear it. They said, don't shove the gospel down my throat, telling me that Jesus died for me. I'm sick and tired of that. I'm offended. What an insane thing to say. How did they misunderstand? How could they be so misunderstanding? Something brainwashed them. Their emotions got to them. They're too sensitive, just like you. Just like you. When Jesus Christ tells you the same thing. Hey, I suffered so much for you. I loved you that much. So why can't you do this thing for me? Why can't you go through this for me? Remember my suffering. And you take offense at the preaching of the cross. And you go, I don't want to hear it anymore. How often are we the scoffer? That's how these people remember Christ is through misunderstanding. And then verse 48, we see the soldier. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar. And put it on a reed and gave him to drink. You know, the soldier during that whole time never remembered, worshipped, or did anything for Jesus Christ. He just stood there while Jesus Christ was suffering, dying, and in grief and in so much pain, crying out, why have you forsaken me? That soldier did not go there for Jesus. That soldier was not there for him. Say, I will remember you. I will help you out. He didn't. The only time he did it was when Jesus Christ said, I thirst. And that soldier, finally, out of some sort of compassion and pity, took a sponge on his spear, dunked it in vinegar, and gave it to Jesus to drink. The only time that soldier ever remembered or did anything for Jesus when when he was crying out in thirst. And how often have we neglected Jesus Christ who is hanging on that cross saying, Why have you forsaken me? Remember what I did for you. Remember what I bled and died for you. And you just, like a soldier, just went, nothing. Wouldn't move a muscle. Wouldn't move a heartbeat. Wouldn't do anything for the Savior. Just like this. Until Jesus Christ, who is in your heart, is thirsting, is starving, is hungry. And dying inside for something spiritual and says, I thirst. Then you finally give him a sponge to drink. How often have you done that, soldier, where you neglected Bible reading and prayer and church all that time? All that time, all that time just. And Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? Remember my death, what I did for you. And you just went. Until you feel thirsty. Until you're going through a rough time. Until the spirit says, man, it's time to get back to church. Man, it's time that I got to finally read my Bible and catch up. I've been falling behind. 
When's the last time I prayed, I want to talk to God? It's only during a storm, huh? It's only during that time when you're craving and you're thirsty and you're dying that you finally read just a chapter here and there. Pray for a good, a couple, one minute or two. Drop by one Sunday service here and there. Just drop by here and there. And then you go back to business and you go like, and let Jesus Christ cry out again, why have you forsaken me and you do nothing? You just stay still and don't do anything. And then again, when Jesus Christ in you is crying out for thirst and you feel the thirst and you're thirsty and you're like, I need something spiritual. Finally, you give him something to drink. Finally, you remember Jesus. Finally, you do something for him. But only just little bits and pieces. Just enough to drink. Where your spirit, where Jesus in you feels refreshed. That's it. That's all you'll go for. What happened to coming to church often? Reading the Bible, praying often. Staying away from sin often. Serving God often. What happened to remembering Jesus Christ and doing something for him? I wonder how many people are like the spectators who remember Christ in verse 50 through 54. Notice right here, Jesus Christ in verse 50 cried with a loud voice. Verse 51, the veil of the temple was rent and the rocks were were rent, the earth quaked. Man, verse 52, graves open, bodies of the saints arose. Resurrection at verse 53 You talk about a night full of terror, the the fear of God landing on these spectators. And verse 54, the centurion and all of those people watching the whole scenery went, truly, this was the son of God. Now they will finally remember Jesus Christ. Now they'll finally recognize that he is the Christ. Now they'll recognize and admire his suffering and what he did because of all these spectacular sights. That put the fear of God in them. The earth quaked. Bodies of the dead saints arose. There was lightning and thunder and then shook them up. Because they were finally shaken up. They're like, okay, okay. I will remember Christ now. I will recognize that he's the son of God. How often have we finally, about time, put Christ in our mind? When God finally shook you up a bit. How often did he'll have to do some magnificent sight? Does he have to shake you really hard? That you finally get the fear of God in you? And then you finally say, I'll remember you. I'll remember what you did. I'll finally serve you. Really, friend? You're going to live by fear rather than by love? You're really going to, I'll finally win that soul to Christ. I'll finally get over that sin. I'll finally take this next step for you, Jesus Christ. I'll finally remember what you suffered, so I'm going to grit my teeth and endure my suffering for you. Stop whining and complaining about my trial. Stop moaning about it and just endure it like a soldier. I'll finally do it because you made me afraid. Because you shook me hard and opened my eyes. Brother, sister in Christ, God don't do that every day with you, and you and I know that. He ain't going to shake you up every day. He prefers for you to live by love than by fear. A lot of you are thankful for those times God shook you up so that you can serve him. Thank God for it. Me too. But friend, be careful of that Thanksgiving because you're betting too much on that. You're betting too much that God will make the earth quake for you. You're betting too much that God will open the grave of the dead saints all the time for you. You're betting too much that God will send a storm in your life You're betting too much that God will shake you up. You're betting too much on God's magnificent sights and wonders on your life to finally get you shaken and have the fear of the Lord and serve Him. You're betting too much on that. Is that how you're going to remember Christ, really? Why not just remember Him out of love? I want to read that book. I want to pray. I want to get to church. I want to serve Him. I want to go through this trial because I love Him. Him because of what he did for me. Not because God has to shake you and you finally repent of your stubborn heart and unyielding mind and God has to break you. 
Is that how you're going to remember Christ? When he shakes you? When he breaks you? Or by love? My second point is when people will remember Christ. When people will remember Christ. If you look at verse 57 through 60. Notice, mark the words in verse 57. When the even was come. That's when. What happened? Joseph of Arimathea. He begged for the body of Jesus. He wanted to wrap it. Put it in a special sepulcher. And make sure that he properly remembers. Commemorates. Sets up a good memorial for Jesus' burial. He did it when the even was come. But Joseph, where were you all that time when Jesus cried out, Why have you forsaken me? I don't see your name there. I don't see you coming to Jesus and saying, I'll remember you. I'll be there for you. Anything I can do for you. I don't see you, Joseph, until, as that verse says, when the even was come. When the even was come. By that time, it was already too late, Joseph. Jesus is already dead. Your opportunity to tell Jesus that I will remember and do something for you is already long past. And all you got is a dead corpse. An empty shell. And that's how you're going to remember Jesus Christ when he's long dead and gone? What about that fresh opportunity where you had a chance to remember him and do something for him when he said, why have you forsaken me? Why not at that time when the opportunity is still alive, not long dead and gone? You know, the thing is, Jesus Christ, he cried out to you, Joseph, so many times. Why have you forsaken me? And all that time, you wanted to do something for him. You want to remember him. and But you just couldn't. You just didn't. It just wasn't the time for you. Jesus Christ wanted you to remember what he, what he bled and what he did for you. He wanted you to do something for him. Now's the time to remember. Now's the time to show how you will remember him and how you will commemorate him. But when he cried out to you, you didn't do it at that time. You waited till the opportunity was long dead and gone. That opportunity where you could remember and do something for him is past. When God gave you a trial and a test or a suffering to do something for him. And then he reminds you about what he suffered for you so that you can endure that trial. You can have the opportunity to do something for him during that trial. But you rejected it. And then when that trial is long dead and gone, way past you, then you're like, okay, I'll finally remember you. Okay, I'll finally do something for you. During that temptation, when God wants you to conquer it, defeat that sin in your life, and then he reminds you about, remember what I suffered, what I endured for you. You can conquer this temptation and sin, and that opportunity that was alive and you had a chance to do it for God, you've forsaken it. You wouldn't do it. And then finally, years later, when it's long dead and gone, you're like, okay, I'll, I don't, I won't do that sin anymore. Okay, I'll start living for you. But that's long dead and gone now. That opportunity is past. What people will try to do when they remember and do something for Jesus Christ, they will do it when the opportunity is already too late. When the opportunity is already passed. When they could have done something for the Lord and it's too late. It's gone. And then you try to show off to the Lord. Look, I'm reading this many chapters of the Bible for you. Look, I'm doing this much for the church for you. Look, God, I'm staying away from sin. Look, God, I'm enduring all these trials for you. I'm doing this much for you. Hey, brother, sister, it's too late. It's passed. And all you got is an empty shell, a dead corpse. And you're trying to Make it look good. Trying to show off a remembrance of Jesus Christ as best as you can. As pretty as you can. Build a sepulcher, but it's already too late. The opportunity and the chance for you to go through the sufferings like Jesus Christ. Serve at an opportunity for the sufferings of Jesus Christ is long past and gone. Joseph, all you, all you got is an empty shell. Your service for Jesus Christ right now is a dead corpse. You know that for some of you? 
Most of you, your service for Jesus Christ right now is a dead corpse, an empty shell. You might say, why? Because you rejected that opportunity, that chance he gave you long ago to do something for him. And now you're trying to play catch up and it's too late. Now you're trying to make up for it. Like Judas Iscariot, you feel guilty for the wrong that's already done. And then you try to make up for it by giving the pieces of silver back to God. It's too late and gone. Is that you? Is that you? How often? How many chances has God given you? How many opportunities and chances God has given you to endure, to be in his sufferings, to do something for him? But it's too late now. And you've hurt yourself. You've hurt other people in your lives. Because you chose your path, not the path that God chose you to do. Is your service an empty shell trying to make a pretty tomb? My third point is why people will remember Christ. Why people will remember Christ. When we look at verse 62 through 66, these Pharisees didn't forget. There's a reason why they didn't forget the death of Christ. You know why? It was convicting them at verse 63. They never forgotten. Yet, in verse 64 through 66, they want to forget it. They try to put a heavy stone on Jesus' body and they want to forget him. They want him to be forgotten. They don't want to recall what he did for them, his dying, his death, his crucifixion. They just want to put Christianity, they just want to put Christ in a dead tomb, seal it shut with the stone and forget him. Why? Because they can never forget. They remembered what Jesus said. They want to forget it, so let's just seal the tomb with the stone and then that way we can forget all about him. You know, you might think, what wicked people, but a Pharisee is one who knows a lot of that Bible. Even Jesus said so. Jesus said the Pharisees were the one who knew the Bible the most and who lived like a very good saint according to the Bible. There were things that they got doctrinally off, but they were, tr- but they were the epitome and the prime examples Jesus even knew himself that tried to follow the Lord according to the law of Moses. Doesn't that sound like a typical Bible believer? Who knows all about that book? Who knows all the right practices? Lives well for God, does his best. The prime example of what Christians should follow is a King James-only dispensational Bible-believing Christian, a.k.a. Pharisee, a.k.a. Pharisee. They were the prime examples. That's you. So you never forgotten Jesus' death. Oh, yeah, there were times your flesh wanted to forget about it. There were times that you should do better to remember Jesus Christ. You should do more. There are times you've forgotten, but the reality of everything is deep down inside your heart, you've never forgotten it. And it always convicted you. See, when you were going through that temptation and sin, and then you're enduring that, even though your flesh wants to forget the suffering of Jesus Christ, deep down somewhere in that heart, you didn't forget, did you? When you went through temptation and sin, Jesus Christ would remind you, hey, remember what I did for you? How I suffered for you? How I endured temptation and I conquered it? You can do it too. See, you didn't really forget that. See, you remembered it. But you Pharisee you, you know too much. You Pharisee you, you lived the epitome of the spiritual life too much. Oh, you Pharisee you, you knew that and it convicts you and you don't like it, so then you have a stone that can seal it shut and muffle the cry where you don't hear Jesus Christ reminding you about his death so that you can repeat the same temptation and sin again. When you endure a trial for Jesus Christ and suffering, Jesus says, remember what I did for you. And you've never forgotten it. As you're gritting your teeth in that trial and trying to suffer as Jesus suffered, you remember what Jesus Christ went through. 
But you know what? You Pharisee, you, it convicted you and you don't want to hear it. So automatically there was a stone and it sealed it shut. You know what that's called? It's called work. It's called busyness. It's a stone that shuts it very good. Keeps your mind so occupied in your work, catching up projects, due dates, and pleasing your boss, trying to work for your salary. Oh, it worked very good. It's called work. Sealed it shut. Makes you not think about enduring suffering for Jesus when you're too busy. huh? What's your stone? Is it school? What's your stone? Bitterness? What's your stone that made you forget what Jesus did for you? It's not something conscious that you did, to be honest. A stone is not a conscious thing. It's an inanimate object that seals it shut very good. It just comes in, right? The stones in our lives. Don't they just come all of a sudden, the stones in our life? We never asked for it. Stones just happen. And that's why we just can't come to church. That's why we just can't read the Bible. That's why we just can't get over our sin. That's why we just can't endure the trial. We don't have an explanation. It's not like we made a conscious decision. It's some kind of inanimate thing that just came inside our life, this stone, and prevented us from serving God and remembering what Jesus Christ did for us. It's called moving to a different state. It's calling. It's called a new phase in life that you're going through. It's called a new job. It's called family and loved ones. And these are the stones that made us forget what Jesus Christ did for us. See, you never forgot. You remember, you remember it, but it's just those stones that are sealed shut. And you just can't remember or do something for Jesus Christ, even though you want to, even though you're convicted by it, but you just can't because... A stone seals it shut. And how have you been doing inside that sepulcher, huh? With that stone seal shut? Cold, wasn't it? Very cold. You don't feel fired up for Jesus anymore. You, you forgot how to shout amen. You forgot what it's like to run around the room. You forgot what it's like to shed a tear. You forgot what it's like to come down on the altar. And iron sharpness, iron conference, and blowouts, and revival meetings can be set forth like a buffet table in your lap, but it's still cold, isn't it? Your Christianity and walk has been very cold, hasn't it? Why? It's not like you consciously did it. It's an inanimate, dead stone that just sealed it shut, just came in. My last point is where people will remember Christ. Where people will remember Christ. Do you want to remember Christ? There is a way. It's by where. By being where. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you know what Jesus said at 1 Corinthians 11 verse 24? He gave you an answer. Gave you an answer. 1 Corinthians 11 24, this do, and then you're in that location, where? In, see that? That's a location, that's where? In remembrance of me. See that? Did you notice that right there? What was the Apostle Paul saying? Well, he reminded us that Jesus Christ was eating the bread and drinking the grape juice, and he wanted us to follow him. Follow what he did. To follow him, that way we can stay in that location, the where. Stay in that place of remembrance of what he did for us. See, the thing is, you got to follow Christ. And how can you forget after that? You know, uh, did you notice in those cases we looked at in Matthew 27? Look at all these cases in Matthew 27, huh? Let's go back. The scoffers, the soldier, the spectators. But these people didn't forget Jesus because they were in the right location. They, they knew about the where. W-H-E-R-E. 
Look at verse 55. After the spectators, the scoffers, the soldier. Look at verse 55. And many women were there. See that? Right location. Beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him. See, they were just following Jesus. Among which was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of Zebedee's children. Well, pastor, I, my following of Jesus Christ seems very distant. It seems very far. It doesn't seem close. And there are times that I forget. No, if notice right here, the women, they followed him afar off. They just followed the best that they could. Sure, there were times maybe you forgot here and there. There were times that you should have been closer. But at least you are still following. When you're following, even though it's a distance, how can you forget Jesus Christ after that? Even though the flesh drowns it out and wants to forget the suffering of Christ, even if you're still following afar off, that reminder will kick in. Jesus will remind you again of what he did for you. And that helps you follow a little bit closer, even though you're far. And makes you want to come even closer after that. And closer. You feel like you're following far? Didn't you come today? That shows that God reminded you again. Because you at least followed the best you could. You know, uh, here's another example right here. I noticed that in verse 61, 61, even at a play, at a time when Joseph of Arimathea was already too late. The opportunity was passed and nothing but an empty shell and a dead corpse and the tomb was rolled. Still, the women, notice at verse 61, and there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. They still didn't leave off following him. But the opportunity is passed. It's long dead and gone, Pastor. The stone is rolled. It's nothing but an empty shell. Just keep following. Just keep following. I know you get discouraged. Just keep coming to church. Just keep trying to come soul winning. Just keep reading that book. Just try to keep praying. Stay away from sin. Just keep being around brothers and sisters in Christ and fellowship. Just keep trying. Just keep trying. Talk to Pastor for counseling. Ask for prayers. Just keep trying. Just follow. Just Keep following and wait. Just wait by that empty shell. That dead corpse. That cold, dark, lonely tomb that you feel your Christian life is. And that opportunity is long dead and gone and past. Just sit still until the next turn comes. Until the next opportunity comes. Till Jesus Christ gives you another chance and says, remember me. Just keep following. That's it. Just keep following. Just stay next to that dark, cold, lonely tomb of your Christian service. Just, just sit still a while. Don't come out. The next opportunity will come again. One's too late, but the other opportunity isn't. You know, those ladies are persistent, aren't they? Notice at verse 66, even in this case. When the Pharisee shut the, shut the stone, sealed the stone so that they can forget about Jesus Christ, that didn't stop those women from following. Chapter 28, verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see Jesus, Amen. to see the sepulcher. Wow, isn't that something? But the stone is hard. It got me away from Jesus. It made me forget Jesus Christ. Just come back again. That didn't stop the women. They, they knew the stone was there. They knew it's sealed. You think those women thought that they had the power, the strength to roll the stone away? No. Neither do you. That stone called busyness, work, health problem, you know, bitterness, depression, sin, addiction that stone just came in and you don't know how to roll it away you don't have the strength for it you're just a frail woman and you cannot move it and you wonder why but that shouldn't stop you 
from going back to see Jesus Christ and say, I want to remember you again, Jesus. And I know that stone is sealed. It's sealed. But that won't stop me from following you. And bless God, brother, sister, in Christ. That might be the day, Mary, that the stone got rolled away and Jesus' body resurrected. And he proclaims that you have a chance to serve and do something for me again. And you will remember me. Remember what I did for you. See my nails, my hands and my feet. He showed it off to Mary. Look what I did for you. Look what I suffered for you. Now do something for me. Mary, it wasn't too late for her. The stone was rolled away. Because that didn't stop her. Is that stone going to stop you from coming back? From getting down on this altar and come back and visit Jesus again? And Friend, I encourage you. Don't let... The stone, no matter how heavy or how sealed or how hard it is, stop you, Mary, from dropping by for a visit. Stop you from following Jesus as best as you could. Even though it's a far off, even though the opportunity is too late and past and it's nothing but a dark, empty shell, don't let that stop you from saying, I want to visit that tomb again. I want to follow Jesus. Maybe. That stone can be just rolled away today. With every head bowed and every eye shut, I would like to give you this opportunity. I would like to give you this opportunity to visit the tomb, that dark, cold, lonely, horrible tomb. And you feel like the opportunity is already too late and past. You feel like the stone is so big. It's so hard. You don't know how it came and it just came. It's not like you consciously knew. It's some inanimate thing that just interfered with your walk with Jesus Christ. Interfered you from remembering what he suffered and bled and died for you. But Mary, don't let that stop you. Visit the sepulcher again. Don't let that stone stop you. Just come and keep following Jesus. I know you feel like you're following afar. I know you feel like you should do more. I I know that you feel like you're not doing enough. But just try. Just keep following. That's enough for Jesus to remind you. That's just enough for God to make you remember again. You'll never forget. How can you forget what Jesus bled and died for you? All of you here today didn't forget. You've been reminded again. Praise the Lord. You've been reminded again. How much he loved you. How much he bled and died for you. You know why? You will not. You did not let that stone stop you. You decided, I want to visit that tomb again. Oh, come to the Savior. Make no delay. Hasn't it been a cold, dark, lonely tomb long enough? Your opportunity, your service for Jesus, your chance to remember and do something for Him is long, dead and gone. It's an empty shell. Aren't you tired? Aren't you weary? You don't want to be in that cold, dark, lonely tomb anymore. Come. Come to the Savior and make no delay. Mary, just sit next to that sepulcher a little longer. Just keep following. Just just stay there. Just wait. The next opportunity will come again. And when that comes, grab it, Mary. Take it, Mary. Get a chance to remember what he did for you. This do, see that? In remembrance of me. you just forgotten where to go. Some of you feel lost, don't you? In your service for God, in your Christian walk, your Christian life. How many of you feel lost in your wandering? Find your location again. Find your right place again. 
Remember the where again. In remembrance of me, you'll be in the right place. You'll remember again if this do. In other words, Jesus said, follow what I did. Follow me. Just follow him as best as you can. Even though it's a distance, you'll draw closer. You'll draw closer, Mary. You will. You will. You will. Let us remember his sacrifice, his death. Do you hear him crying? Remember, remember what I did for you. Why have you forsaken me? Why? Have you remembered now? Good. Now follow him. Just keep following. Amen. I would like to ask uh, one of our people to ask the other people and the kids to come inside. Those of you who are praying on the altar, please take your time. You can take your time. The rest of you who are done, go to 1 Corinthians 11, please. <clears throat> please go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And then we'll look at verse 23. Verse 23. Oh. <clears throat> the Bible says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. <clears throat> For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Why do we do this, the Lord's Supper? We do this to remember what Jesus did on the cross, what he suffered for us. Unleavened bread, not leaven, because it's supposed to represent without leaven, without taint, without corruption. How his body was pure and that it was broken to pieces for us which is why we break it. We drink the grape juice as a remembrance of the blood that he shed. <clears throat> we do not believe in the mass. The mass teaches that this is the literal body and blood of Jesus Christ. That is heresy. We do not believe in that. It's a disgrace to Jesus' actual body and blood anyways. That's an actual disgrace. We do not limit Jesus Christ's precious body and blood to something you eat and put down your throat and in your digestive system. We believe that this is merely objects that we can picture, that we can see, feel, and experience what Jesus Christ went through, which is why we do this as symbol, not as something literal. His second advent is... Uh, is coming, and when he comes, he expects us to participate in this Lord's Supper until he comes again. May I ask what's going on with the other people? Can Are they all here? The uh, pianist and everyone? Okay, pianist here. Sorry. Okay. I wasn't paying attention. Sorry. All right, then. All right, and sometimes my mind's somewhere else. Sorry about that. All right. Well, anyway, I was presuming that we ought to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us, which is why we're doing this until he comes again. The Lord's Supper is to remind us also that he's coming soon. And we will practice this until he comes again. When he comes, this will no longer be practiced. Until then, we're doing this to remind ourselves 
that one day he'll come and that he's coming for us. Till then, we will practice it. We believe that a person has to be saved. And particularly in this local church, I believe that a person should be water baptized as well. The reason why is because the verse said at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, if there's anything that is left missing that you got to examine, that you have to fulfill, then make sure you got it taken care of. Baptism is also a requirement and a commandment because of Matthew chapter 3 and Matthew 28. Jesus himself even was baptized. Why? Because he said, this is to fulfill all righteousness. See, so that's the reason why we practice, uh, we believe you should be saved and you should be water baptized. That way you can get everything taken care of and be able to partake in the Lord's Supper. We believe also that you should give thanks to the Lord. So we will give thanks for the unleavened bread and the grape juice. And there's a time that we must confess sins. So 1 Corinthians 11 covered everything what I just said. And it's my job as a pastor to remind you all these things again. So let us take opportunity to confess our sins. Because if there are some sins you did not confess, the Lord says that that is unworthy. And you will drink yourself condemnation, damnation. In other words, this does not mean hell. Damn and condemn also means to be judged. So God can punish his child. Why? So that you don't get judged. You don't get punished. So in other words, you should judge yourself. You should examine yourself so that God won't have to judge you. So uh, please take this time to examine your sins and confess them under the blood of Jesus. And I want some people to know this because some of them misunderstand. If you confessed it and you meant it, all right, you can partake in the Lord's Supper. Please do not bypass this as this is a command from Jesus. He wants you to remember him. So just simply confess your sins, mean it. We will give you this time. I know people on the altar may have done it. So I would like to ask those who already confessed to just give a moment of silence while the remainder of the people spend this moment of silence to confess to the Lord in prayer. Let us come before the throne and pray. Father God, as we come before your throne and as I close this in prayer, while other people still make time to confess, we thank you so much for what you did for us on the cross. We say it so many times, Lord, but it's necessary so that we can remember. I pray that you'll be glorified and pleased by what we're about to do to remember what you did for us. In Jesus' name we pray.